It is hot. It is humid. The grass is cut. It smells like football. This is the goal line stand. All football, all the time. I am Mike. I am joined as always by Brett. We are on Sports Talk Philly, sportstalkphilly.com, and coming September 3rd to Sports Wire Radio, presented as always by Michael's Glass Company, 215 338 3293, up there in Northeast Philly. And DePaul's table, a modern Italian um, Italian steakhouse, 7 East Lancaster Avenue in Ardmore. Follow the show here at GL Stan Show. All social media. Brett, it's been a little bit of a, a little break here uh, in the midst of camp. One of the two schmucks, me, went to the Jersey Shore. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you, you took your scheduled, you know, there was always a vacation between mini camp and training camp. You just took it like a few weeks too late. Yeah, I held out for a week. Yeah, or that's a good one. Although I guess then uh, fifty thousand dollar fine imposed a day, right? Per day, yeah. You got a problem which, here, which you can't get out of now. Oh, really? I thought you could get out. Well, can no, you per the new it? CBA. Uh, can can the player donate it or no? It's, it actually has to go to the team. It goes to the team, and the team can't waive it. Interesting. But yeah, it's the new. It's one of the new sticks that the uh, owners got. So basically, no one can can hold out anymore. But wasn't it? I, I might be speaking out of turn here. I thought when guys would hold out, like uh, trying to think, who was an eagle that held out for a little while in the past twenty years, um, other than T.O. <laughs> uh, you know, didn't Lashawn McCoy? Yeah, and I, 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 I think he did, and. If he didn't, we're going to use him as an example because, you know, whatever. So he holds out five days, 50 grand, whatever, $200,000, $250,000. We're going to make a donation of X to the Eagles charities. That's a no-go anymore. Yeah, it's it, it is a, it's mandatory. It goes to the team. You can't waive it. You can't alter it. So Jerry Jones wants more money in his pocket, and he's screwing charities? Is that what you're telling him? I don't know. So I wasn't in the room. I don't know how much the charity thing came up. I, I don't even know if that many other teams used the charity thing. Well, the Giants did, right? Now, look, the only time I remember was this the Super Bowl 42 season. That summer, Strahan didn't come to uh, training camp. And I think eventually they just landed on a number of like 200-something thousand. And then ultimately he said, look, had I known about that, I'd have given them two million up front and <laughs> just skipped all the training camps. Oh, that's fantastic. God bless them. That's fantastic. Hey, it worked out for them. Yeah. So we are back. We're better than ever. Double dip this week. You got the Wednesday show, and then we got the football Friday show. Uh, a little quick rundown of this week. We're gonna talk week one of NFL preseason. There was a lot of action. Every team played, but Rookie quarterbacks, rookie players making some impacts, news and notes from around the league. We're going to preview the AFC South, a very interesting, interesting division this year. But let's kick this thing off. Four downs, 
of true or false. So very simple. I, I ask question, you answer true or false. You ask question, I answer true or false, and, and we go from there. True or false, it is a God-given right to, in, to have beat reporters give play-by-play of every freaking play at training camp. True. True. Part B, true or false, it is god-awful and they should stop doing it. True. Yeah, I, this thing, <laughs> I don't understand this. You know, we're both Twitter guys for the, the sports aspect of following things. My timeline is flooded with Jalen Hurts threw a two-yard out to Jalen Rager. It looked so good. And then there's 65 freaking points on the goddamn thing. All right, I, I just enough. I don't I, I don't need to know everything. Yeah. And then they're breaking down the stats as though it's a real game. Jalen Hurts went 11 for 15 today. He had three touchdowns and two picks. We forgot to tell you there was no pass rush. Hell, there wasn't even a defense on the field, but nonetheless, he did it. Yeah, well, I think though that's a product of the fact that you don't, you no longer just have. Think about, uh, you know, in in 1960, right? You probably just had one or two beat writers. Now you have ten or fifteen, and they have to. It's not a one-upsmanship, but they all need to come up with content. So if three of the guys are doing it, then they all have to do it. Otherwise, by comparison, one of them's going to look as if they're not doing their job. So in a way, it sort of has morphed into this, which I'm not a huge fan of. Are the Giants beat writers, how bad are they with it? Is it the same thing? Is it every, I don't mean, I know I follow a couple of them by by happenstance, Matt Lombardo, Steve Politi. I don't notice it as much. Or maybe it just blends right into my Eagles stuff that I'm not realizing, oh yeah, Daniel Jones doesn't play for the Eagles. Well, you know, I mean, every time Daniel Jones throws an interception, it's clearly noted. And I, um, I think, frankly, I, I feel as if they do a decent job, some of them, and holding off on that. Instead, what they do is, what, and what I really like is, look, if something breaking happens, and we understand what, like, what is truly newsworthy, tell us. Otherwise, wait till the end of the night. Give us one of those long multi-thread ten observations, and that like Art Stapleton does a great job of that. Ruben Frank does that in Philadelphia. I mean, that's his thing. You know, Rube's ten yeah. observations. Uh, I agree with you on both points. Second down, you're up. Oh, so that was that was only one down. That was only one down. Okay, so one, one and a half. It was one down with two points. Okay, whatever. I cheated. That's all good. So um, I know we're going to get into a little bit more with the rookie quarterbacks. True or false, Justin Fields starts 10 or more games this season. Ooh, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say true because there's a job on the line in Chicago. And you got to do everything in your power to save your job. And I think that's what ends up happening here. Uh, we are going to get to it uh, when we get to it, because I don't know that it is, I don't know what we saw. I don't know if what we saw was real. We'll get to that in, in a second. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say true. Okay. How about you? Um, I'm going to go false. It's weird. Like Andy Dalton, is. if you get the Andy Dalton at, 
kind of played for the Cowboys and was a little bit of a, uh, I guess, what a general at this point, field general kind of guy. Yeah. You know, what's the point? But there's so many dynamics in Chicago that who knows? Yeah. Lots going on in Chicago. That is true. It could be the end of Soldier Field, too. Are we, has there been more movement on that? No, I was just, it was weird. I was watching it and I was thinking about that. Yeah, they, they, they screwed up. Anyway, go back and listen to that in one of our episodes. All right, number three, third down. Joint, true or false, joint practices are a better metric for teams versus a preseason game. I say this because the Eagles and the, and the Patriots are, they're playing each other this week but they're locked into a whole week of joint practices together. And it seems to have changed the dynamic. I can remember this being a big thing in, in the past. I can remember watching from Westchester, I believe the Eagles and the Ravens would have a joint practice and a scrimmage at Westchester's football stadium. So this is like a late nineties kind of deal. It was on Comcast Sportsnet. Uh, true or false joint practices give you more of a, a gauge on your team than a preseason game. I'm going to go – well, okay, I, I, need, I need a little bit of clarification on the question. Are we saying joint practice? So is it – I'm taking into account multiple joint practices during a week or only one joint practice? Eagles invite the Patriots yeah. and they're in for the week. Giants are playing – Whomever they invite them yeah. in for the week. Okay. Yeah, it's not just like they show up on a Thursday and they come okay. around. Yeah, they're locked into their every day is a scrimmage. Yeah. Very closely, I'm going to go false, and the only reason is I think there are just certain components of the quote unquote game scenario that can't be replicated in a practice. Just the, the entire game day prep, the playing in front of in a big stadium in front of a massive crowd in non-pandemic years things of that nature the you know for in practices you have coaches every coach is on the sideline you don't have people up in a box so just the communication things and it, like i'm talking like 51 to 49 percent false true like that's it's really close for me that's an, they're interesting points you just made because I was going to go on the other side of it and say, I think it's true, but that is a very valid point that it is a little bit more controlled. So I guess I would agree with you. I, I, I guess it's a false, but it is super, super close. I've just been watching some of the highlights. Again, it's a highlight. I, I, I'm not watching the whole thing yeah. of the Eagles and the Patriots. And man, I know Eagles Twitter at Eagles on Twitter is going to make the Eagles look good. But there's something about the way they're doing things. And again, maybe it's just super controlled. I, I, I don't know. No, I, 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 it's very close either. I think both are beneficial and both will get, will, you know, um, give you insight to your team. So I guess uh, stealing from your mojo from the first question, my, I have a two parter for my, for my last one. First, in honor, and I'm sure you really appreciated this as also a baseball fan, in honor of the Field of Dreams game, the NFL should look into altering preseason schedules to play in either historic venues, more local venues. Case in point, Eagles playing at Franklin Field, 
Giants playing up at Mikey Stadium. We all know there's a lot to like at Ike. Uh, <laughs> um, just different different ve venues, maybe even a high school stadium. Maybe Seattle plays at Stadium Bowl. Unfortunately, Heath Ledger can't sing up and down the stands. He's not available anymore. But, yeah, so true or false, they should do that. Look into that at least. That is true that they should yeah. do that. Well, I've always been of the opinion, especially the way we are in where in our area, right? So Eagles always play the Jets. Always play the Jets. Yeah. And I look at this from as us being Rutgers guys, maybe from a revenue standpoint, that the Rutgers says, come on over to Rutgers Stadium and play Eagles and Jets, play here. It's halfway ish. Have a game there. I think that would be a good idea. If it's feasible enough, Franklin Field, I think, is not in great shape from what I understand. There's a press box, and you can pee on a wall. What else do you need? You need locker rooms. They have locker rooms. See, like, I don't know if it's feasible enough for an NFL team to go there. I, maybe you start slowly. Once a year, you kind of do it. I, I would agree with it. Um, yeah, why not? There's I historical precedent. I mean, I know the Giants used to have uh, – I've seen uh, pictures of programs. They used to play a lot at Palmer Stadium, uh, the old Princeton Stadium. So I guess part two of the question, true or false, that would – playing at such venues, does – would that inhibit or does that completely ruin – um, what the coaches get out of observing in a preseason game. Unless the football field is shorter and not as wide, I don't think so. Okay. Because what's going to happen is you're going – the league is going to have to come in. That's why I say maybe it starts small. The league is going to have to come in and say, all right, we need to – this place has to be set up for specific things, coaches, cameras, that kind of stuff. Most of them are. To some extent, because they're already look, Mike. What you you Mikey Stadium, Division One football, right? So they have a huge press box. You, you're getting your normal stuff. Yeah, outside of the, you could spend if the, if you're the NFL, you could spend ten thousand dollars for. Here's a perfect example: the Giants had an open practice. Well, it was closed to the public, but open to. Newark Public School high school football players, and they had it at the new, the, the renovated Newark Eastside Stadium, which they did a beautiful job with. NFL spends 10 grand. You put two tents at the end of either stadium for locker rooms, add another 10 grand for lights, which you can donate. You know, it's going to get great ratings. I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm going to turn it around on you one better. Instead of going to England and you and Mexico City and all these other places, do you maybe turn around and, and find a, a, a historic venue in the States that you could say, we're going to play a regular season game there? And it would have to be specific teams, right? Like the Giants aren't giving up a home game. Eagles aren't giving up a home game. But we're going to play a game, I, I don't know, uh, at, at where they film Little Giants, using it, yeah, crazy example. But you know what I mean? Is that something they could do? It's every other league has done. Every other league has done it. 
Yank. Ella's done it, and it's awesome. Tahoe is great. Now, granted, pandemic, a little different. Goofy things happen. But that was cooler than any of the stadium series or any of the outdoor classics. The the, the Iowa game, the Field of Dreams game, so cool. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. MLB is going to be doing the Little League game this week. A little different. It's in a minor league park, so it's not not as cool. But, yeah. you know, basketball is played on aircraft carriers. Why, why can't the NFL do it? They can't do it for a regular season game because they're too valuable. There's there's not enough of them. There's only seven. There's only seventeen. But you um, you take like the Jags and somebody. But so okay. But part of it was that you had a connection with the I, White Sox that the I Jags. Know. So the teams that could afford to do it are so bad or have such a little following. There's no historic connection. That's the problem. Yeah, I agree with you. No, I think it would be cool to do it during a preseason. Yeah. But the Eagles took all those pictures when they had their the 60th anniversary. They went to Franklin Field. They did all that stuff. That would have been cool. I think they had a practice there, but not open yeah. to anybody. I think it would be a great idea. Yeah. Let's get to it. Week one, preseason in the books. Uh, let's start in Philadelphia. I got to tell you, I was fairly impressed. This is after not being able to watch it live because – Technically speaking, Long Beach Island, New Jersey, out of market, apparently. I don't know how it's out of market. I was watching a baseball game, aforementioned Field of Dreams game, on Fox 29 in Philadelphia. Nonetheless, from the internet perspective, I couldn't watch the Eagles game on the Eagles, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, on my phone app, nonetheless. I watched it after the fact. Nick Sirianni's debut I'm calmed down a little bit. It's preseason. It's very vanilla, but I didn't feel like he was in over his head week one. Like it was one of those things. It's like, okay, this guy, he he's meant to be here. Um, I, I, yeah, I came away from the game thinking he's a competent coach. I got to tell you, guy shows no emotion. Absolutely no emotion. Which is weird because when you hear him about him talking on the field and the beat reporters who tweet every blessed thing, he's extremely emotional. He's very involved. He's wearing different player shirts that he's found on different websites and all that stuff. We'll have to make one up. Maybe he can wear it. You know, he's doing all these different things. Yet he was. He was very stoic. And I thought he even handled himself well post-game. I was was impressed. I I shouldn't say impressed, but I was relieved that this wasn't going to be a complete train wreck. Yeah. It, um, again, I, there were there was nothing I saw where I was like, okay, this this guy's completely uh, you know over his head. Look, it's still early, but there, there were no warning signs. Uh, anything uh, overly troubling? No, I, I would agree. Jalen Hurts, I thought looked okay. Uh, I think he is what he uh, he is what he is. Uh, it's going to come down to the regular season to see how the offense really progresses. What they do, I kind of liked some of the game, the the play calling. I thought the first teams did okay. You, know, you never look at the final score. Eagles fans are going ballistic on social media that the Eagles lost that game and that the defense at the end was giving up all these points. You got guys that aren't even going to be playing in the XFL when it comes back. Just relax here a little bit. 
Yeah, the, the final score of the game really is not that important. I know as a Giant fan, back in the Parcells era, they never won. I think both times they won a Super Bowl under Parcells, they were winless in the preseason. So, that you know, I actually prefer to lose in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's it, it's glorified. Although the Ravens are something like 18-0 in their last uh, 18 preseason games. Anyway. Doesn't matter unless you win the last game of the season. That is very true. I wasn't entirely like, oh, God. You know, sometimes you watch a game and you're like, this is just going to be a really, really bad year. You yeah. can tell. I didn't get that impression from the Eagles. Now, that's not saying I'm going to up my win total, which we'll get to on September 3rd on sport on sports wire radio but look I, it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be i thought jalen hurts looked decent um thought the offensive line looked okay uh the left guard what's um he's definitely in there he's he's replacing i guess is he replacing sayamalu right now yeah, the offensive line is kind of in not in I don't want to say shambles, but I think it was Herbig, wasn't it Herbig? No, it wasn't Herbig. Um, the other Polynesian kid, Opeta. Oh yeah, yeah, Prince. Uh, I, I, I no, not Prince Teo. He's he's African. I don't know. I have to look at the. Record. I think it's Su, like Sua Opeta. You keep but, talking. I'll look it up. Yeah, I, I I thought he gave up a few pressures, uh, but I also would imagine once Landon Dickerson gets healthy, you could move him over to guard until Travis Kelsey eventually retires. I'm, as I said during the draft recap, I'm super high on Landon Dickerson. Um, thought the, I thought the defensive line looked good. Javon Hargrave, who I was super high on last year, looked really good, and all reports are. He's having a monster training camp. Ross Tucker, who I cannot stand, kept talking about Alex friggin' Singleton. He was like, oh, my God, look at him. He made this amazing play. He's good because he's good. All he did was run down a running back, and he made a tackle. To his credit, it was still a five-yard gain. But Ross Tucker thought it was friggin' amazing. You're a Ross Tucker hater. I can't wait to get him on this show. I can't stand the guy. I can't wait to get him on the show. Sua Opeta, you're correct. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't stand the guy. And and the secondary looked good, I thought. I, I agree with you. Let's go up the turnpike to the Giants and the Jets, which I'm disappointed is the first week. Again, we talk tradition on preseasons. Yeah. I always like, as an outsider, and because I go to the games with you, Giant-Jet, being the third game, it kind of meant a little bit more. It was something you know, somewhat important. Not anymore. No, particularly when Joe Judge said that when Joe Judge essentially treated this like the old fourth preseason game, you essentially you had minimal starters playing uh, on offense. There was only a few. Of course, the ones that were were mainly on the offensive line. <laughs> our starting, our projected starting right tackle Matt Pert gets beat on the first third down for a sack. Uh, someone else whiffed on a block. Uh, defensively, I got to tell you, the one thing I take issue with with all the beat writers in New York, um, our second-round pick is Izo Jolari, the edge outside linebacker. He had one nice play against Mekhi Becton, who, by the way, is perhaps one of the most gigantic human beings I've ever seen. And, I mean, he's like a slim 360. It's really remarkable. Um, having said that, 
Ojolari made one nice play on a, a, a run defense. Aside from that, I thought he got pushed around. I was not overly impressed yet. Uh, the beat writers and then, you know, by extension, quote unquote, Giants Nation think Ojolari had a great game. I didn't think so. It was pretty bad. And Eagles fans will remember good old Clayton Thorson. He was our third stringer. And we only had uh, our backup, Mike Glennon, and then Clayton Thorson play. Thorson was terrible. And literally the last play of the game got hit and got concussed. And he's now been waived. Waved slash injured. So he's out of there. Um, I was not overly impressed. But again, it was primarily backups. Our international player made some waves. He had a nice 48-yard run. Sandro Platzengumer from Austria. I wonder if you might make the team. Yeah. So, so say that again now. Sandro Pl- Platzengumer. That's fantastic. What team was he from? I don't know. The, the, the Austrian. I, I was gonna, I was going to say something bad. He wasn't on the Ryan Fire or anything like that. My, no, I, no, no. Wasn't he wasn't on an NFL Europe? He actually left medical school in order to try out. Well, he is a dumb individual. Then he's a smart dummy. Yes, Giants yes. cut Alfred Morris. They did cut Alfred Morris. Look, I don't understand. I didn't understand it last year. This flirtation with Alfred Morris. Uh, Mike, I know sometimes, I mean, you prefer you'd be like a tight end or a wide receiver. If you were running back, even you're faster than Alfred Mars. Well, look, I am available. If anybody in the National Football League wants to give me a shot, uh, I need like five knee braces. I need a neck roll. Yeah. I need a robot mask with a black shield. We're good to go. Yeah. Corey Clement actually looked really good, except he fumbled at the five yard line. But I got to tell you, he's their best option right now. Corey, that's the Corey Clement issue. And I am a huge, I was a huge fan of his when the Eagles picked him up as an undrafted guy. Now, local guy, Glassboro guy. If you can go to Wisconsin and be a star running back, you know this as a Giants fan, Ron Dane. Yeah. You're almost guaranteed to have some type of success in the National Football League. Yeah. Corey Clement is good. I think he's shifty when he can hold on to the football. He is a great option, but that's a big when and an if. Yeah, you know. He makes a great catch in the Super Bowl. Eagles don't win if he doesn't make that catch. I know you still haven't seen it, but it's a great catch. Yeah. You know, watching him, he he has a little bit of a mod Bradshaw in him, except he's slower. Saquon Barkley came back, not to the game, but He's back clear. to practice. He's cleared yeah. to go. Any, any, what's going to happen there? Are they going to hold him out? Um, you know the way that they've managed this. Uh, it's like other people have come back from ACLs. Adrian Peterson came back in a much quicker timeline. He kept saying, "Look, I'm going to get in there as soon as I can." They're playing so coy with everyone. He, he looks good. Every video, I mean, he's, they ramp him up every day. He's now doing live seven-on-sevens, things of that nature. Looks good. I think he's going to be limited in the first few weeks, and then he'll be a full go. That's my thought. So you have a player that is making a bunch of videos showing how good he's doing? Yeah. Kind of like Ben Simmons being able to hit a three-pointer from the gym somewhere in L.A.? Oh, he's hitting three-pointers then? Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. They didn't trade him yet? No, not yet. Why not? 
I don't know. It's not because nobody wants him because he's not good. I shouldn't say that. He's good. He'll be a good piece for somebody else. It's not the Sixers. Yeah. So the Giants trades, they make some trades in the secondary and in the off on the offensive line. Was this a was this directly related to the preseason game, or was this kind of in the works anyway? Well, with respect to the offensive line, the Giants had over the course of the offseason and training camp previously signed two veterans, Zach Fulton and Joe Looney, both of which then opted to retire. People, people not in the know are blaming Joe Judge and his lapse and his, him making people run for it. Other, you know, I think the, the guys just didn't want to play anymore. Uh, they need a lot of depth on the offensive line. More than depth, I also think they need good starters. We'll get into that in my season preview. The secondary thing, I don't quite understand. I actually think the secondary is one of the Giants' strengths. They traded for this guy in Houston because he is a key special teams player. Okay, so they gave up a 2023 sixth rounder. I, I don't know. Most people aren't trading just for a special teams gunner. But, again, what is Joe, what was Joe Judge prior to being the Giants head coach? New England special teams coordinator. So, look, I'm not trying to devalue the importance of special teams, but now we're trading. You can't coach someone else to be a good gunner. That's my issue. Like, the, all right, so this kid's a good gunner. Now we have a, a, one of our gunners. We had to give up a, a, a future draft pick for it. You can't coach someone up. Everybody needs a good gunner. <sighs> well, you need two. That is true. You do need two. Yeah. Let's go to news and notes around the league, but we're going to stick with kind of with the Giants here because John Mara made some news here. And this has been an ongoing discussion throughout the National Football League. But this is a, I don't, is this a John Mara thing? Is he driving this? That, the, the taunting. Yeah. The NFL officials are going to pay more attention to taunting. I don't know what that means. I, I really don't. Well, um, you didn't. Did you see the play with the Indianapolis Colts running back later no. in the game? No. So one of the backup Indianapolis Colts running backs in their preseason game with the Carolina Panthers had a what I'll call a Mark Bavaro-esque run dragged about six Panthers 15 yards. He gets up. And he kind of, he doesn't even flex. He sort of I guess he does like the lower flex, but not in front of a guy. Just sort of gets up and flexes, and they call the taunting. Do you remember a few years ago when they were the officials were trying to make a big deal about pass interference and contact? This is maybe four or five years ago, and every preseason game was like seventy five flags. Yeah. And then when you got to week one of the NFL season, yeah, they were calling it, but it was like not as much. No, because everyone raised a big stink about it in the what during the preseason. See, to me, that's not taunting. As a semi-retired official who well, that would be my call, I'm gonna say, dude, relax. Nice run, relax. You know, and now if he turns around and hawk ho- and you know hawks up in the guy's face, yeah, absolutely, 15, 15 yards every day. But that's not what's ha- that is not what is happening. It, it, this is the problem. The NFL wants to be so in control of these players and not you're not putting he hate me on the back of the jersey. Let yeah. them have a little bit of of a of a character. Let them be something. Or let them have a natural emotional response. Yeah. And to me, I, I, I to me the line. If 
if you're all right, if you're really going to crack down on taunting, I, the line should be there is what I'll call general excitement slash taunting, and then player specific taunting. And it's to me, it's as you said, when the guy directs it to someone when he's standing over them, that if you want to penalize it, you could penalize that. But if a guy gets up and he's just, you know, like flexing muscles to the crowd, to, to whomever, that it's not specific. That's not taunting. It's not a taunt. It, it, it's just not. You I have mean, to, to be a taunt, it has to be directed to someone. Right. You walk over to, to, to the coach on the sideline, you tell him to suck it, penalty. Yeah. Penalty. Yeah. But that that's a taunt. Anything else, not a taunt. Now, do I wish players would you're, – you're down 35-10 and you make a play, just shut up and get back in the huddle? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, there's no need to increase penalties on the taunt. Unless it's See, direct. I would institute a schmuckdom penalty. Yeah, I personal foul, 15-yard penalty on number 98 – Intentional schmuckdom. Yeah, you're down 35-10. Shut up and get back in the huddle. Intentional schmuckdom. And what what would be the uh, symbol for intentional schmuckdom? You gotta like, you know, <laughs> knock him knock him across the head. I don't know. I don't know. Clipping is the worst one. Why? What's wrong with clipping? Isn't that when you like you bend over, and it's so, like you you kind of like circle your ass? Yeah. Well, clipping. So now it's gone now because you're gonna call any. Clipping is so rare. Yeah. It's always going to be a block in the back, usually. I mean, yeah. there's that confusion. Clipping is... It, it, it's like a vestigial organ yes. of, of, of uh, penalties. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's stick with vestigial organs. Tim Tebow, among the first cuts of week one of the preseason. That was God perhaps the best transition in the history of podcasts. Oh, I appreciate that. God bless him. <laughs> But Tim Tebow, got, congrats to the SEC Network and, and, and the idiots down south who uh, are going to get Tim Tebow back for week one of SEC football on the SEC Network. And eventually the idiots out west and north and wherever else the SEC decides to expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's happening, but, you know, he, he gone. He's gone. Did uh, you see those blocks that he was trying to make? Imagine, do you think, true or false, if he would have transitioned to a tight end when he came out, so God, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. He would have actually had an opportunity. No, because what I saw this weekend, it's, it's a, it goes back to what you and I saw on the fields of Pop Warner. There's kids that have it and kids that don't. He's a great college quarterback, a fierce competitor. But in terms of certain positions, there's an extra level of physicality that's required, and he doesn't have it. He shied away from the contact. Urban, Urban, Urban Meyer let him go. I saw a great video, and I forget on Twitter. It was the clip of Shawn Michaels super kicking uh, Ric Flair at WrestleMania, and someone. I'm, put, I'm sorry, I love you. Someone put Urban. Someone put that Urban. It was great. It was it was wonderful. He he is gone. Yeah, he has moved on. Uh, let's talk about the rookie quarterbacks real quick. We mentioned it earlier. What should we take of this? Justin Fields goes nuts. He has a huge day. I had the stats up in front of me. Maybe you had them, but he ended up with what? Um, 
Fields finished 142 yards, one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown. He looked fantastic. I thought he looked good. Look, it, it, I'm not in the kitchen. If so, I would bring up a whole thing of salt, grains of salt. That's what you need to take this with. What is it with you giant people and, and food and kitchens? And groceries? What, what, I have no idea what you're talking about. Parcells quote. What Parcells quote? There was a Parcells quote. Oh, about yeah. That. I know too many, too many people to make his dinner or whatever. Yeah. Well, look, you know, food is an essential thing. Uh, but anyway, shop for the food or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. If I'm the chef, I might as well shop for the groceries or something like that. Look, it's, it's preseason. Let's calm down. Uh, You know, these things take time. It is, is it a positive sign? Yes. Should you be excited? Yes. Should you change the, the complete trajectory of every one of your plans because of one game? No. Let's let's stick with the the rookie Zach Wilson. You saw it firsthand. Giants Jets. How do you think that he looked? Because the reports coming out of Jet Camp in Florham Park near the fucking library were that he wasn't doing very well, and it turned out okay. So it was the Jets' first string offense against the Giants' second string. So that's something to keep in mind. And some people probably who are overexcited didn't even realize that. Uh, what I saw, I saw arm talent, but I saw someone who it's going to take a little bit of time. But I saw the I saw the arm talent. I mean, he hit some, uh, you know, intermediate to deep outs where he threw it with ease. I was actually surprised at the arm. T- I, it was it exceeded my preconceived notions of his arm talent. Trey Lance flashes in San Francisco. But at the same time, maybe you got a kid that was playing Division One AA football. Well, look, I think Trey Lance has all the uh, all the ability in the world. I think he is at some point going to be the starting quarterback of the of the San Francisco 49ers, lead that team to playoffs because they're built well. But I think he was like five of fourteen for a hundred and something yards including a 78-yard touchdown pass. And by the way, I'm not going to – it was – that play, Mike, would you agree with me? It it bordered on gimmicky, the touchdown. You know, it was – he rolled left. It was – sort of leaked out to the right. So what I'm saying is, okay, it was a beautiful ball. He threw a 78-yard touchdown pass. Then he was – you know, he was getting sacked. He was under consistent pressure. Okay, like let's just temper expectations. That that's all. I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm excited as hell for the season. I'm excited to w- take my fandom of the New York Giants aside. I love that there's great young players in this league that we get to watch ascend. And you know, I mean, it makes you know it hard as a Giant fan or you as an Eagle fan. I'm excited to see how these guys develop. It's just one game, people. And people, you know, like on Good Morning Football, they're going nuts about it. Like, like uh, your boy Kyle Brandt. I like Kyle Brandt. Leave Kyle. He probably Brandt. would. Was he on the challenge? No, he wasn't on a challenge. Have you watched the new challenge? Very, very good. No, very, okay, it's stupid. Very good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. 
welcome to Jacksonville, baby. He's had he had moments. You can see they need to build around. We we talked about it when he was drafted. You have to find a way, number one, now to protect this guy so that he doesn't get shell shocked. Yeah. But you really have to go balls to the wall. We thought they did it. I thought they had a great, I thought they had a very good draft. You could yeah. see the plan. Unlike the Raiders, you could see the plan, you know, what they were trying to do. So they were trying to build around him. Knock on wood if you hear me. Knock on wood. Holler knock on wood. Yeah. You know, welcome to the NFL. Welcome to Jacksonville, Trevor Long. Yeah, uh, it was, you know, up and down. That it was a, he had one very impressive throw. You know, hung in the pocket, threw a really nice ball to. I don't even remember who it was, but it was a it was a nice you know, nice ball. You saw the arm talent, and then you saw the inexperience. And look, these kids, these guys are nervous. They're over amped, you know. Uh, as the one assistant coach from the program said, they're trying to win the Heisman on every damn throw. It's, again, it's very early to tell, but we shall see. What did you think of the Jaguars' color combination? Black helmet, teal jersey, black pants. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. Looked okay. Which is weird, because I figured I would have hated it. Wasn't Wasn't too shabby. I'm a little nervous. Maybe Urban Meyer tries to bring back the shoulder different color jerseys oh, God. from Florida. Yeah, hopefully not. Worse was when it was one shoulder. Remember? Is that the one you're talking about where the yeah. one, shoulder, one like, shoulder was like blue, the rest was orange? Yeah, it was so, so dumb. So yeah, dumb. That, that was, was bad. Dumb, that was a dumb Nike thing. Uh, let's talk hard knocks for a little bit before we get to uh, some more news and notes. Well, you, we, we missed out on Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, Mac Jones. He threw a couple passes for New England. Well, yeah, I just don't want to – I mean, he look, again, there were glimpses. Each one of these guys He's gonna, showed us that they're young but showed us why they were drafted in the first round. That's I just wanted to point out, and Mac Jones should be talked about in that conversation. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I just talked about him. Okay, great. <laughs> hard Knocks. You said, hey, we're going to talk about Hard Knocks. I said, I haven't watched it because, frankly, the show has jumped the shark for me, but you're watching it. Yeah, so in general, I love Hard Knocks. I think it is super annoying that they had to have the Cowboys for the third time. It's clear Jerry Jones has a hand in the production and the editing of it. The first episode was awful. Literally, the entire thing was Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and Micah Parsons. Uh, and for anyone who, particularly, I guess, as Rutgers fans and Giants slash Eagles fans, that was just painful to watch. Also, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak, they're not, Ezekiel Elliott is not overly interesting. He's, he's kind of a schmuck. He's a weird guy. Uh, also, got to tell you, what, the second episode was better. It started to do a little bit of focusing on other guys, under-the-radar guys. Really nice story about a practice squad kid from last year whose family um, escaped from war-torn Ivory Coast. And um, actually, this past week, the Cowboy-Cardinal game was the first time that this guy was able to play in front of his family. It was really nice. His mother dressed up in like, like traditional uh, Ivory Coast garb. You thought she was going to like the Oscars. It was really just a nice, uh, nice scene, but not impressed with Mike McCarthy. 
the guy is not a I, he he doesn't have that to me when I think of any head coach whether they're the master motivator whether the the quiet innovator they all are always on they're, they're they're into details it's about the details it's about the process so case in point they show when Dak Prescott kind of had that issue with his shoulder it, it's all captured on on footage and they go to McCarthy he's like ah oh, damn and then like 30 minutes later he's like so does he need to be here or shouldn't he go get treatment like i feel like the guys who were on the ball that would have all taken place in the same conversation 30 minutes prior yeah it's then, probably like god damn it yo brett make sure you get him take him and go go get him in the back make sure they can get taken care of right now or you or ask him or ask the trainer immediately right is this something that needs immediate attention it just then you know, he tried to he, his whole thing is like mojo time and he tries to he, he tried to uh, encourage and motivate the players with Austin Powers the spy who shagged me there is a reason why Aaron Rodgers wanted him out of Green Bay maybe this is it is it time for this program to go away for a little bit? No, I, I still think it's good. There are still those moments. Like, so they captured, they had the Cowboys and Rams had one singular joint practice. And this is the one where Aaron Donald got in a fight with like the entire offensive line. And there's the, there's those moments, particularly, I guess us as former linemen, you get to, you know, they do a great job capturing the, the heat of the battle and it's those brief moments where I forget my age and everything else. And I really want to get back out there and it still gets me hyped. So that I, to me, if it didn't get me hyped, I'd say forget about the show, but to me, they need to stay away from the Cowboys. Again, the second episode was better, except of course it led with uh, Ezekiel Elliott complaining about the fact that his taint was getting chafed. And um, he needed powder. Like, I don't care. I really don't care about I don't care about anyone's taint, frankly. And I don't care about Ezekiel Elliott's. On that note, let's <laughs> transition here. Congratulations to the Atlanta Falcons. They have reached 100% vaccination status of their team. And they're what? Tier one, tier two individuals. Yes. First off, thank you. Because uh, clearly, not many idiots in that in that room, uh, at least not knowingly. Number number two, welcome to 2019. This is, as we have talked about, a strategic advantage for them. Here you have a team now that can do. I don't want to say whatever they want. There's still going to be some protocol to be followed. But welcome to a normal year ish, normal ish yeah. year for them. Yeah, we talked about it. If for no other reason but for competitive advantage. Get vaccinated. Take that, Cole Beasley. Yeah, I mean, it looks like there's a. I think the last report I saw is there's a good amount of teams that have hit that 85% threshold. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, look, never mind. We're not going to get into it. Uh, well, we are going to get into it because the Las Vegas Raiders are the first, and I say this, they're the first to announce a policy for entering 
Allegiant Stadium. No exceptions. You have to be vaccinated. They have partnered with an app called Clear, where you can upload your pertinent information, and it'll be scanned at entrance. This isn't, oh, I have a negative test. Oh, no, no, no. This is, you come in, you're, you're, you're vaccinated. You come in, enjoy a mask-free experience. When they ask um, Mark Davis about it, he said, why? Because it's the right, his quote, because it's the right thing to do. Boom, done, over with. That's it. He's right. It's the right thing to do. Anyone who has a problem with it, us saying that it's the right thing to do, go fuck yourself, all right? Fuck you. Yeah, I also appreciate that he's offering vaccinations. They're offering, they're using the stadium as a vaccination site for season ticket holders who would like to, I think they're going to let you in with a mask if you get a shot, like from now until the beginning of the season. That's the other part. But also, didn't the so uh, the, the headline didn't quite make sense because I know New Orleans is requiring the Saints to have anyone attending Saints games needs proof of vaccination. Is the difference that this is being implemented by the Raiders themselves? Is I, that the difference? I believe so. This okay. is a team mandate. Okay. And I think what you're going to see here now it only took one, right? That's all we'll it's ever going to take. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I'm already booked for two games this year, one in Philadelphia. Oh, and I'm coming, baby. I'm coming up to New York. I got tickets in the end zone. You can't keep me out. I'm you got, you, oh, you, yeah. got, you got tickets for the Eagles-Giants? I got game? tickets for the Eagles-Giants in the end zone gratis. Even. More importantly, where are you parking? I'm parking somewhere in like uh, East Brunswick. I'll take the train. I don't know. Oh, that sucks too. But I'm I I'm honestly I went to the Phillies game a week and a half ago, and it was a very very weird experience. Now I was with 110 people as a group that were all vaccinated by law of the employee employer who I was with had to be vaccinated. But I still it was a very very interesting interesting experience. I, I wonder if this is going to be the first, right? The Raiders did it. All, all it takes is one. So what happens now? I hope there is a cascade effect. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't think there will be because politics plays a big part in this. And either you have states where it they favor uh, no mask mandate or vaccine mandate or else places like New Jersey where you have a governor who's running for re-election and doesn't want to lose the moderate moderate independent votes. I don't know. It's frustrating as we've, or, you know, I mean, I'll let the cat out of the bag right now, even though I have Rutgers and giant season tickets, I'm leaning towards not going. So it's, it's very frustrating. Like I said, it's it, I, my test run was at Citizens Bank Park, and there was not a lot of people. There was a lot of people there, but from a Phillies aspect, there wasn't forty five thousand jammed in there. But it was still just, it was different. It was different. I'll put it at that. And no, I'm not a sheep, and no, I'm not scared. I know the statistics that I could get in, and blah blah blah. I actually really don't want to. I'm <laughs> just not. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I don't. I, I don't want it. I don't want to be sick. That's fine. Yeah. Makes and sense. If someone, and if someone wants to say something, I'll give you my address. You can come tell me face to face and we'll, and we'll fight over it. 
Okay. All right. Let's we get can, to that AFC. We can talk about that on our other podcast. In the Flight Show coming up Wednesday night on Sports Wire Radio, 5 p.m. East, 10 p.m. in the UK, in the flight.net, and anywhere you find podcasts, except for Apple, because they're a bunch of assholes. There let's get to the AFC South preview. Uh, let's take a look at the finale, the final rankings, final standings from a year ago. The Titans and the Colts, 11 and 5. Texans four and twelve, Jacksonville Jaguars one and fifteen, bringing up the rear and getting that first pick. How we're going to do this? Five questions. Five, yes, five questions around the league. We'll give you our overall preview September third on Sportswire Radio and SportsTalkPhilly.com. Let's get to it though. Most important offseason acquisition in the AFC South: free agency or draft. You're up first. I have a guy, and I don't think it's very debatable. Well, so to me, I, look, I always try to limit this to one answer, but I think there's a short-term and a long-term answer here. Short-term, it's Julio Jones. Long-term, Trevor Lawrence. That's the way I see it. Okay, so you got my long-term. I mean, in my opinion – it's obviously Trevor Lawrence. It could change the fortunes of the Jaguars and kind of flip things around. But talk Julio Jones a little bit more because that's an interesting one. Yeah, because to me, I, I agree with you with Trevor Lawrence. To me, the, the Trevor, it doesn't have as much bearing on this season. That's why I had to put Julio Jones. Obviously, the Tennessee Titans acquired him uh, for a second-round pick, several picks, including a second-round pick um, out of Atlanta. And I think what this does is, particularly with the departure of Corey Davis and now you're upgrading with Julio Jones, you're enabling the Titans to be diverse in the way that they're going to attack you. And obviously it's their goal. They want to pound you with Derrick Henry. But as I said, prior to Julio, the acquisition of Julio Jones, they had lost Corey Davis. They lost Adam Humphreys. So I think at that point, you would say, all right, well, defenses are going to attack you by putting eight in the box, which is going to slow down Derrick Henry. Now if you put eight in the box, you're going to have to deal with A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. That's a problem. I don't think you can do that. You, Both of those guys, frankly, deserve double-team attention. I don't, You can't do that. We, and plus now you, it's opening up lanes for Derrick Henry. So that's why I think it's so impactful. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It makes it makes it more difficult to defend the the Titans and uh, eleven and five. Is that the difference between two and three wins? Probably. So it, it does change the equation. Yeah. Um, most impactful departure. So, to me, this is Deshaun Watson. He hasn't departed, but he's he's essentially not there. He's there. In spirit and from a criminal and civil court uh, aspect, but that's about it. He's he has made the Houston Texans both irrelevant and the, he's made the Houston Texans the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting. Okay, I was going to go quarterback as well. Okay, Philip Rivers went home to be with his twenty-seven kids. <laughs> <laughs> and now, unfortunately, when you look at the Colts 11 and 5 a year ago, there are some serious issues in their quarterback room. 
there's rumor that Philip Rivers might be coming back. He retired, and they had Carson Wentz in place. He gets hurt. So Philip Rivers was my guy where you knew what you were getting from him. Yeah. At the end of his career, but you knew what you were getting in Indianapolis. You could kind of continue doing what you were doing. Now it's an upheaval. You don't know what you have going on in the quarterback room in Indianapolis. But yours is better. I like that. Yeah, it's not a technical departure, but the guy Deshaun Watson will never play a snap again for the Houston Texans. I guess yeah. the only question now is whether it's going to be with the Philadelphia Eagles or for a flag football team within the Texas State Penitentiary. You shut your mouth. Why? You, Jalen Hurts team, man. Let let the, <laughs> let the kid go. The most. What is the most talented position group? In the division. This was very difficult. And I ultimately decided to go with the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. Um, particular because of the right side of their line, which when healthy consists of Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, who is not only the best guard of the game, but to me the best offensive lineman in all of the NFL, and Braden Smith. Uh, then they have Chris Reed, and I know that they're gonna ha- they're gonna get Eric Fisher at some point this season. So to me, the Indianapolis Colts offensive line, the my close second was actually the Tennessee Titans offensive line. The, 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 there's one thing about this division that I do appreciate is a lot of offensive line play. And you have two teams really that like to pound the rock, which is nice. Yeah. So I was going to go and it's a one in my mind, it's a one man room, but Derek Henry is going to rush for another 2000 yards, maybe. And that's hard to replace, but you actually sold me a little bit on the Titans wide receivers there. So I'm kind of just taking a look at him. Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, A.J. Brown. Depth is interesting there, but that is pretty – that's fairly decent. Yeah. But I agree with you. The Indianapolis Colts, it's fun watching them play the game with their offensive line because they just maul people. That's yeah. a one hell, That's a way to play football, man, and it's fun. It is fun to watch. Yeah. Actually, you know, so – Derrick Henry, without question, the best running back in this division, perhaps the best running back in the the league. I would actually argue the Indianapolis Colts running back room is deeper. As a whole, absolutely agree with you. I I would agree wholeheartedly. And as an Eagles fan, I'm hoping that Nick Sirianni brings some of that to Philadelphia. Yeah. Most worrisome position group in the AFC South. I kind of already gave you mine. But go ahead. Yeah, I th- well, I think yours probably emanates from South Florida. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, to me, no, mine doesn't emanate from South Florida. Oh, I thought it was going to be like Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line. No, 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 no. Okay, mine is actually the Houston Texans defensive line. So, if you, th- I mean, think about you know, like close your eyes, think about four or five years ago, JJ Watt healthy at the height of his playing career, a motivated, healthy Jadavian Clowney. They just had guys coming at you from left and right. It was, I mean, I know that they say it's Saxonville down in Jacksonville. It was Saxton or whatever in Houston. I mean, they were, they were getting after it. 
And now, you know, you look at the depth chart. You have Whitney Merciless, who's still a good player, but he's getting a little long in the tooth. Brandon Dunn, Malik Collins, Jordan Jenkins. We have Ross Blacklock from last year, who was their, their quote-unquote their top pick because he was they didn't have a first-round pick, so he was their second-round pick. They traded for Shaq Lawson. They have all these guys. They're just kind of mixing. It's a mishmash, potpourri, and we don't know how it's going to smell. <laughs> so a little worried about that smell. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they care necessarily. I mean, the fans care, but I don't think ownership cares in Houston. I had already talked about the Indianapolis Colts quarterbacks, and I'm going to go back to it because this is a team that is, I don't want to say on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl, but they are very close to being able to make a run. The AFC is weird now, right? Like there, there's a the whole changing of the guard with Brady going to Tampa Bay and winning, you don't know what you're getting out of New England. It's a little bit more wide open than it has been in the past. So Carson Wentz is your guy. You're going You're going to reunite him with Frank Reich. You're going to bring in Doug Peterson to help out during the offseason to get free stuff. Carson Wentz, shockingly, gets hurt, which is a little – it happens. Injuries happen. But this was a high school injury. This is weird Like that, that this happens at this juncture. It, yeah, I guess the bone was floating around, and now it's it's impinging on certain nerves, which it's I guess it's lodged in a bad area. I, right. I don't know. So here's your here here it is: Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, Brett Hundley. Go back to what I said. The rumor was they they reached out to Philip Rivers about coming back. You are, in theory, that's Carson Wentz is going to be out what. Six to eight weeks, maybe more, maybe twelve. Well, you then I heard conflict. There's conflicting reports because now both he, he it is weird too. Quentin Nelson has the exact same injury, and supposedly they actually both may be back for even like the second week of the season. Now, now that'll change the equation to some extent because you know the guy in theory can hand off, make a play here and there. But if you have to roll into the regular season for any significant amount of time with Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger, you're, you're, you're at a significant disadvantage to Tennessee. And that's the two-team race right now in the division. Yeah. Without that, without that quarterback, the Colts are a mediocre team. For as good as they are elsewhere, they're a mediocre team. Yeah, no, I, I it makes a lot of sense. Your ultimate X factor in the division. Have we well, mentioned him already? Yeah, yeah, you just talked about him. So to me, it's, Carson Wentz. It's the body and brain of Carson Wentz. Wow, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, is he physically able to replicate the initial success he had in Philadelphia, and is he mentally capable of doing that? And is the the uh, reunion with Frank Reich was that the magic medicine? that he needed in order to get everything right mentally is Indianapolis a little bit more laid back and less intense than the Philadelphia fan base and media presence. Perhaps. I don't know. The, just maybe the move helped. We shall see, but it's, that's why, and that's why I, I, I point out it is both the body and brain. I'm going to leave it with that. We're going to end it on that one. And I'm not even going to give you mine because I think that's fantastic. Mic drop. Mike, drop it. We'll be back Friday for Football Friday. We are going to be previewing the AFC. Where are we? We go 
We're we, north, go, we go yeah, we usually go west, south, north, north. AFC North preview. We're going to talk about some preseason game number twos. If we have had them on Thursday night, right? We play. You guys play Thursday. No, you do. We play Thursday. That's right. New England. Yeah. Barn burner, baby. I'm like that's Brett. We'll catch you later.